It's so awesome to be here with you guys today. Like Paul was saying, there's just so much going on, but we get to actually be in this place and be able to just rest, rest in what Jesus has for us. And so that's so awesome. Well, last October, actually, I had the absolute privilege of seeing my little sister compete in this strongman competition. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's basically uh, people lifting super heavy things, so like tires, uh, like super big weights, and check this out. Guys, and she just kept going. She, can we give this woman a hand? Like she, oh my gosh. It's also her birthday, so, you know, huge shout out. But um, I, I was so impressed. And I asked her um, how sore she was after she did all this lifting. She was like, yeah, like I'm pretty sore, but not as sore as I was the first time I actually had to lift with the strongman team. And she was talking about how um, the first time she was so tired and her body felt um, like it just hurts so much. Uh, but the more she exercised and the more her body got used to the pain, the more the reps she was able to do and the higher the weight. And obviously that led to her being able to lift um, a car. Um, the really cool part about that though is on the day of competition, as I'm looking around the room, I was so impressed by the various amounts of, or the diverse shapes and people. Like there was really petite people, there's really big people, all looked so different, and yet you didn't know how much they were capable of doing until they actually started doing the obstacle courses that Strongman had. And I was so, so impressed by that. And there, again, there was just no way of telling who would win in that room. They were tough, but the only way that they were able to be there was because they knew how to endure and they knew how to endure the pain of lifting all of those things. It's no secret that life is hard, but the, the life of a follower of Jesus Christ presents a whole new set of challenges. Matthew 7, 14 says, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. My question for you today is, what does it mean to endure as a follower of Christ? Endurance in Hebrew, koach sevel, I'm probably saying that horribly, um, koach is strength and sevel is to bear or to suffer. And together they're used uh, to make the word endurance, which is the strength to suffer, to carry a burden. Today we're going to be focusing on James 1, 2 to 4, and I'll be reading from the NLT version. So here we go. James writes, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, 
You will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. I want to start off with the first part of that verse. The NLT version says, when troubles of any kind come your way. All right, the ESV version says, when you meet trials of various kinds, let me do it one more time. The NIV version says, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What do all three versions have in common? When. It doesn't say if. It says when you face trials, when trials come your way. And another thing that they all emphasize is not only when, but trials. And trials actually means twofold. It means when you encounter persecution or and when you face a temptation. So let's read it again now that you guys kind of know a little bit more of that context. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles or trials, persecution or temptation come your way. Wouldn't it be nice to know when a trial was coming our way? I I think of the Kansas Storm Tracker. Do you guys know what that is? The Kansas Storm Tracker. If you don't have it, you should probably download it. Um, The reason why is because it tells you whenever there's something like, about to hit. So uh, there's many times in the spring when it's like, oh, lightning a mile away, lightning 0.5 miles away, lightning hitting now. And it's like, okay, awesome, cool. Um, The one thing it doesn't tell you though, is whenever the wind is going to blow just right to bring in the smell of all the feedlots surrounding us, you know, you walk out and you're like, shoot, I did not expect that. Um, But just like the smell of those feedlots, trials come with no warning. They just hit. It did not matter whether you just had a holy encounter with Jesus at 5 a.m. in the morning, whether you have done your best to attend church, whether you went to all the Bible studies this past month, or whether you literally overcame temptation yesterday. Like, I mean, I'm lactose intolerant, guys. My struggles come at every single meal, but that's neither here nor there. Um, My point is that whether you overcame yesterday or last year or or last week, um, trials will come because it is, there's no quota as to how many bad things happen to us, Um, which is why James says, when trials come. And with trial comes pain. I really want to sit in this concept of pain real quick. Pain comes when when we lose the sense of peace or security or when there's the pain pain of wanting to cave into the very thing you overcame yesterday. Pain of missing your sin. Those things happen. The problem with our society today is that no one likes pain. And actually, there's a group of individuals in our society that actually cannot physically feel any type of pain at all. Uh, Stefan, Stefan Betz is actually a great example of this. He's 21 years old from Germany who suffers from congenital insensitivity to pain, CIP. Look it up. He can't feel pain. His brain does not have any way of processing any type of pain he encounters. And maybe this sounds really appealing to you. Maybe you're like, actually, that sounds really nice. But let's look at what he says. He says, people assume that feeling no pain is this incredible thing. And it almost makes you superhuman. But for people with CIP, it's the exact opposite. 
We would love to know what pain means and what it feels like to be in pain. Without it, your life is full of challenges. And actually, people with CIP actually die at a much younger age because they think that because they can't feel the pain, that their body is resistant to the pain that they're experiencing. So they don't let their body regulate any type of damage that is being done to it. So normally what they'll do is they'll walk over hot coals, they'll jump off the roof of houses, they'll put their hands over fire, all the while forgetting that although they can't feel it, their bodies can, and their, their bodies are getting damaged in the process. Um, BBC was doing a really cool study on people that have CIP. And while they were doing this study, they found that, found that those who could feel pain were not faring any better with regulating the pain that they felt. They stated, pain is a global industry on an almost staggering scale. The world's population consumes around 14 billion doses of pain relief medication daily, with estimates suggesting that one in 10 adults are diagnosed with chronic pain each year, lasting for an average of seven years at a time. The world of painkillers is dominated by opiates such as morphine, heroin, and tramadol, which work in a similar way to endorphins, including the addictive high. The consequences have been devastating. In the US, 91 people die every day from opi opioid overdoses to the tune of more than half a million since the year 2000. Alternatives, such as aspirin, aren't effective with severe pain and can cause severe gastrointestinal side effects over a long period of time. But while the need for breakthroughs in pain research has been desperate, Little has been achieved. Did you catch that? That as people try to find ways to numb their pain and avoid their pain, they end up encountering the worst kind of physical pain, and that's death. Now, I don't want to undermine the pain that people feel right now, and I don't want to undermine the fact that sometimes people do need medication and pills to be able to um, strengthen their bodies. I don't want to undermine that at all. But what I do want to acknowledge and state is that to consistently medicate the internal pain of trials is a different thing. To medicate and do anything to numb the pain of unforgiveness, to numb the pain of shame, to numb the pain of rejection, to numb these different types of pain, the list goes on. To consistently numb the pain you feel in your soul will eventually kill you. And what does this numbing look like for believers? Well, this may look like keeping yourself busy all the time. Maybe something happened yesterday and you don't want to think about it. Well, you know what? I'm going to keep myself busy so that I don't have to feel it. Maybe it's jumping into the next relationship because, you know what, this one, you know, I was dumped or I did the dumping and I'm, I'm hurting and, well, let's go on to something else. Maybe it's taking on more jobs. Maybe it's binge-watching Euphoria or your favorite TV show. Doing anything to medicate the pain you feel within. Doing this may reveal that perhaps you fear pain. Doing this may reveal that perhaps you fear feeling pain. But why do you fear your pain? Think about it. Why do you think you fear your pain? Just recently, I went on a missions trip with the missions team to um, Omaha, Nebraska, to serve on this ministry called Abide. 
um, who work with uh, actually families in the inner city. And long story short, the CEO, Ron Dotzler, had originally, who had been working a six-figure job, been called out of his job to live in the inner city. But he actually thought that he was supposed to go overseas. So while he's waiting to like raise money to go overseas, one of his friends was like, hey, you could stay in my house for free, but it's in the inner city. And he was like, okay, cool. So he goes and lives in this house rent-free. But what he did not know was that he was in actually the most dangerous street in North Omaha. While there, he encountered the death of various beloved neighbors, crime, ongoing police activity, and so much more. And there came a point when the CEO no longer wanted to put his family at risk because he realized that God was actually calling him not overseas, but to the inner city. But he was scared. He felt the pain of insecurity and the fear of death welling up inside of him. And Ron writes in his book, Out of the Seats and Into the Streets, the staggering problems of crime and gang violence overwhelmed me. I had one car stolen and another one ruined by gang initiates when gang, gang initiates put sugar in the engine. Was our work in the inner city worth the cost of putting my family in danger? Could we really make a difference in lives? Was it time to quit? It's in the midst of this wrestling with God that God clearly answers Ron and helps him understand that it was not the drugs, it was not the weapons, it was not all these other things present in the inner city that was going to kill him. And he writes that God revealed to him the most dangerous place to live was not the inner city, but rather outside of the center of his will. And he goes on to say, when I lived to care, I died to, I died to fear. Living intentionally meant letting God interrupt my life. You see, pain is meant to show you that there's something really, really wrong and broken in this world and that the things here do not last because they are broken. Pain is meant to point you to something else that cannot be found here on earth and point you to something more eternal. And that something more eternal is Jesus who reminds us to not run to the dead things in life, but to life itself, which is him. And this thing with fear, this thing with fear, well, let me give you an illustration. On May 13th, 1981, uh, Pope John Paul II was shot four times while leaning out of his car, uh, a Fiat. Um, he survived the incident, but the Vatican did not like that situation. So, what they decided to do was whenever he was out in public, he would have to write this thing called a Pope Mobile. And I don't know if they have a picture up there for you. That's what it looks like, Pope Mobile. Um, and the really cool thing about this Pope Mobile is it's actually bullet resistant. So, or, uh, yeah, how do you say it? Bullet resistant. Bullet, thank you so much, Paul. <laughs> Bulletproof. Um, and so whenever he's able to kind of go out in public, he's protected. And so the Pope, you see, is a clear target to anyone who's against the Catholic Church. But nothing's going to happen to the Pope as long as he's in that car. You are a clear target. You are a clear target. And the enemy will shoot out so many trials and things to oppress you. But be and rest assured that you are surrounded, that as long as you are in the midst of God's will, that you are surrounded by his protection. And when you finally encounter the fact that he's with you, things won't feel as scary. Yes, the pain will still be there, 
Yes, the trials will still suck and they will still be long and and there's going to be a process to get out of them, but you are not alone. And you find that if you don't fear your pain, and if you allow yourself to sit in your anger, to sit in your sadness, to sit in your rejection, to sit in your shame and your disappointment and your regret, that once you've sat there, that Jesus will replace it for strength that was not there before. And that strength will last. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, uh, 6 to 11, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him. Amen. Pain that comes with enduring trials and temptations is an avenue to point you back to the healer who wants to heal your pain because our healer is a relational God. James encourages us to change our perspective on our trials because pain in our lives is meant to be used as an opportunity for us to become stronger. Hence, endure the hardships of this world that is slowly passing away and hold on to Jesus. So with that, let's read James again. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Sam Albury says uh, this about what James just said. Notice James says consider. He's not telling us so much how to feel as we think. Um, Sorry, he's not telling us much how to feel as much how to think. He's not saying, pretend this is fun, nor is he calling us always to have a sickly grin or stiff upper lip. As scholars Craig Bloomberg and Miriam Camel put, James does not command us to wear our happy faces so that many seem to think are required in church or in other Christian circles. No, James is telling you, consider to change your perspective. Consider changing your perspective. And he's also not telling you that joy means to put a happy face on or to be happy-go-lucky about all the trials you go through. No, he's talking about a different type of joy. So joy in Greek actually means kara or tara, one of those, um, which means to rejoice because of grace. Sorry, Paul, I'm completely messing up my <laughs> Thank you, Cara. Um, It means rejoice because of grace. And if you put all of the biblical definitions of joy together, it means three things. Know Jesus, experience Jesus, and trust Jesus. Know Jesus, experience Jesus, and trust Jesus. That's the definition of joy. So let's put all of what we just learned together in this verse. Um, So James 1, 2, again. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles, trials, unforeseen circumstances, temptation of any kind comes your way, consider, change your perspective, consider it an opportunity to know, experience, 
and trust Jesus. Consider it an opportunity for great joy to know, experience, and trust Jesus. An opportunity for you to learn how to endure in the face of difficult circumstances by recognizing that it is the trial that actually allows for you to grow in your relationship with someone who knows what you're feeling, who understands your pain, and is capable of transforming your pain. But in order for this to happen, you have to choose Jesus in the midst of your pain. In order for that to happen, you have to be willing to choose Jesus in the midst of your pain. And if you choose Jesus, what will happen is that you'll realize that you were in fact made to endure, that you are in fact much more resilient than you thought you were, and that trials will keep coming, but the more they keep coming, the more you rely on Jesus, the stronger you become because of them. So let's read that one more time, knowing that all of this context um, is put together. Dear brothers and sisters, when trials of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will perfect and complete. You will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. C.S. Lewis once stated, God who foresaw your tribulation has specially armed you to go through it. Not without pain, but without stain. You see, the pain that you endure in your trial, at the end of it, you will only come out much more refined. You'll only come out looking like a much more reflective person that reflects Jesus and not this world, but Jesus. But in order for that to happen, the trial do the trial does have to come. The trials do have to come. And you probably already know what I'm going to say, but Jesus did it first. Jesus persisted in the face of trial and depended on the Father. And a great example of this is when Jesus is in the garden who um, he was praying and he was about to be crucified. Actually, he was about to be betrayed by one of his disciples. And he's in the garden getting ready for this moment to happen. And while he's praying, Luke 22, 44 states that Jesus says, Father, if you're willing... Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. And then after this moment, Jesus was betrayed. And then he was tortured, and then he was crucified. He endured all humiliation, all physical pain, all abandonment from his friends, betrayal from his disciple, and so much anguish that he even sweated blood because of it. But Jesus used this trial as an opportunity to show you and I how much he loves you how much he was willing to go through that and not even just go through it, but resurrect on the third day to reconcile that relationship that was broken in the garden because he loved you and I. So Jesus endured 
And that example is set for us to show us that we can too, but we can't do it without him. We cannot find strength outside of Jesus. And we can't find it because there's nothing and no one else that truly understands. Only Jesus understands the true trials that we're facing. And I'm telling you, he did it first. And so why not run to someone who does understand? So just like Bree said in her strongman competition, the first time was always the hardest. But the more she kept going and the more she kept lifting, the more she endured, the soreness started getting better. Of course, she was always sore whenever the reps went up. But with that came the victory that she was actually able to face later. She actually got second place. So I was really soaked for, for that. But that was only because she was able to endure all the workouts and endure the mindsets that kind of came in whenever she didn't want to go to practice. Um, but I was so proud of her, not only of her, but of her coach who showed up every day to encourage her and uh, of her teammates who also did the same things that she was doing. Um, and that motivated her because she had her coach and she had people walking alongside her doing the same things. Guys, in this room, you have people that love Jesus and want to endure trials with you. I know that all of us are going through such different trials, but we're not alone. We are not alone in our trials. And most importantly, Jesus is with us. Jesus is walking with us and he wants to walk you through that trial. And you have people who want to walk alongside you. Let him do that. He's already equipped you for it. And he's surrounding you with your presence. But the next time a trial comes, and or if you're sitting in one right now, don't fear the pain that comes with that trial. Because know that this is just an opportunity for you to actually grow in your faith and for you to know, to experience, and to trust Jesus with your life. And you will become stronger because of it. You were built tough. You were built to endure. Pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for the cross. Thank you so much for enduring all the hardships that you did on earth just to show us how much you loved us. God, we know that this life is not easy, that trials come out of so many corners, but God, we're in desperate need of you. We need your strength to endure a lot of these things. Thank you for the promise to never leave us. Thank you for the protection that you surround us with. And God, we just ask that in the midst of these trials, we may uh, realize that these are moments that we can trust, experience, and know you. So God, let that happen. May our, my brothers and sisters in this room today walk out knowing that they are capable of enduring the trial that they're in or the trials to come and that they will be stronger as a result of that. We thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.